Hello, I'm your host, Maz Chowdhury, and welcome to the Untick the Box podcast. This is a show that aims to shine a light on underrepresented voices across industries and offer honest career advice to those wishing to join them. Before I introduce our next guest, please don't forget to subscribe. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. I'm really looking forward to introducing you to Sabah Ahmadi today. Known as the Young Imam, Sabah is one of the UK's youngest Muslim leaders. His work focuses on breaking down stereotypes and misconceptions around Islam, encouraging interfaith dialogue and showing what life as a Muslim in Britain today is really like. He's been featured on the BBC, Sky News, Good Morning Britain, and he's worked with the UN on a project looking at how to tackle violent extremism. Last year, he won the Visionary Honours Community Person of the Year Award, which is a celebration of social impact through the arts. This was down to his incredible efforts across faiths, having been working with rabbis and bishops too. Hi, Savo. Thank, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Um, how have you been? I'm all right. I'm uh, embracing the cold weather that's about to come around the corner. Oh, embracing it. Yeah, like uh, I like the cold because you don't get too sweaty in it. Like, I like I like the yeah. summer, but. I feel like sometimes it just gets too sweaty and the conditions are nasty in it. Whereas with yeah. the winter, you can get your winter jumpers out. Like there's no stress of like you sweating buckets or smelling and that. So yeah, I'm no. all right. I'm, um, I'm... On that note, I feel like we should just. Ah, go on then. On what a note to jump on in, but go on. <laughs> to start off, um, a little bit about your childhood. Can you tell us a bit about where you grew up and your school or your university life and how that might have shaped you? Yeah, so I was born and in Manchester, uh, best mm-hmm. best city in the world. It was actually nominated as like the second best city in the world, I think. It don't hold me to it, but it was nominated. I seen it somewhere, and I was like, yes, that's my hometown. Um, born and in Manchester. Went did my uh, primary school, secondary school, did a year of my A levels, and then I decided to give my life for the service of religion, which was not what I had on the cards growing up, actually. Mm. But I think growing up, I didn't have a massive connection with my community, going to the mosque for prayers and going to um, events. You did? And you... I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And and I think that had a part to play in me making my decision to give my service or my life for the service of religion. Mm-hmm. But it was a journey which I woke up one morning and said, Mum, look, I want to give my life to the service of religion. And she was like, as long as you know that it's not a career you can dip in and dip out of, like it's a full-time thing, like your life devotee. So working in retail, having aspirations to become, become a police officer, becoming a teacher, because they're both professions my parents are working. Um, mm-hmm. I then wanted to be a lawyer, as every young Asian lad wants to be a lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. Medicine, which every Asian family pushes their kids to become a doctor. Um, mm. I never did any of that, and instead decided to become an imam of my community. You kind of answered what I was going to ask you next, um, in that so you didn't always know that you wanted to be an imam. You kind of explored different options, but how did you realize that this was for you? Yeah, this was the one. Um, I don't know. You know, mm. I know you're laughing, but I ain't got an answer. <laughs> do you know what I mean like I think it was I literally woke up one morning and said mum look I want to give my life for the service of religion obviously they mm. were like, over the moon 
They wanted me to yeah. serve my community from a young age. Like, they thought it's a very noble and pious thing to do, like, to serve your faith. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't... But that wasn't a reason why I did what I did. I won't say it was a calling either. Do you know what? I have not got an answer for that. Normally, I've got an answer for everything, but that yeah. question there, nah. I was going to say, you can talk and talk and talk, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I would never turn the tables back. I would never turn back. Yeah. Turn back the okay. time. Um, so, do you have a favourite part of your job? A favourite part. Anything. Absolutely anything. There are a lot of things that I enjoy about my work. I enjoy meeting new people. Um, I enjoy doing podcasts. Yeah. This is the first actually podcast I've done. Is it? Oh, it's actually the second podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I enjoy working with young people in the sense of because I feel like I've been through a lot of things that a lot of young people have been through, and I feel like I can relate to them and we go we share shared experiences. How do you mean? But if you like, if you don't mind me asking, yeah, like you got an example. Yeah, like, for example, people are struggling with how to maintain relationships with your friends. Yeah. Or how to balance your faith and your work life. Mm. What to prioritise in life. Is life all about making money? And these are the questions that I asked myself growing up. Mm. So maybe connecting with young people and having discussions with them about some of the challenges that, that mm. they're going through. And me giving, me giving advice, but also learning from them. Yeah. On how they navigate it through those challenges and are navigating through those challenges because then when I meet other young people I'm able to be like you're the only one that struggles mm. um, another aspect of my work I enjoy is giving tours of Britain's largest mosque mm-hmm. because people haven't been to a mosque before and when they come to a mosque they're like wow this is incredible like I've had someone who came and said the peace that I feel when I walk inside a mosque I don't feel anywhere else I'm guessing, were they Muslim? Were they... No, they weren't. Okay. Um, and the reason why they said they felt that kind of like peace and tranquility is mm-hmm. because that place was purely for prayer. Mm. Like, during lockdown, we used our houses for studying, like chilling out, our living room became our dining room. Like everything became in those four walls and even it became a prayer, for, even, it even became a space for prayer. Yeah. But when you go into a mosque, that is purely for the worship of God. There's no, like, dining in there or, like, sports activities or chilling around watching TV. It's purely for worship. And mm. people are like, we feel the energy when we come in here. So it's nice to see people's reactions to a place which is so special to me. So is that and the, such a massive part of my life. Is that the intention behind... Because I know, I know that you obviously run a lot of mosque tours. Um... What's the intention and the purpose behind doing this? Uh, so for me, it's showing people what life is like as a young British Muslim, mm. what life is like as a young faith leader, and what a mosque means to so many millions of Muslims across the world. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of misconceptions that people have of Islam and of Muslims. Yeah. So this opportunity of opening the doors to the mosque allows people to see what Islam is mm. and allows them to ask questions which they might not have had the opportunity to, to ask before mm. and it's creating that safe space and then we sit down for food mm. and like there's no other way to like 
like become comfortable and, and know someone. Yeah, connect with someone over food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, have you ever had like, I guess, a hostile experience where someone has not quite reacted in the way that you thought they would, or, for example, maybe like someone that's strongly atheist, if they just because you said about how someone went and they they feel like the presence of God and if there's someone that's like heavily atheist is that a little bit more difficult to get through to them um no i no one's actually come to the mosque and said i'm an atheist i've had people who are not of faith who come, mm. come to the mosque and i've just genuinely wanted to learn but outside of the mosque environment i have had experiences where people have been mm. quite hostile and I'd say concerned and confused Is that at the same your time. Work or just you're talking about okay. Yeah. So I reached out to eight and a half thousand journalists across the UK to be like, look, listen, I'm one of Britain's youngest moms. I ain't got a long white beard, don't wear the long white robes, I'm not mm. middle aged, like I've got banter, like these things people won't be able to see when they listen to the podcast, but I ain't got a long white beard, yeah. I'm not middle aged. But I met a journalist for a coffee because she replied to my email and we met for a coffee and she we were sat in prep and um, it was a time just after COVID where everyone's mm-hmm. wearing masks. So we both came to the coffee shop wearing masks. So we sat down now and we've had a conversation about the work that I do, the work that she does. And I said to her, look, a massive reason why I do what I do is because a third of Britons feel that Islam threatens the British way of life. And she goes, I know why they're scared of Islam. I said, I beg you, tell me. This is a massive reason why I'm hearing it. She goes, she goes, I feel that people are scared of Islam and Muslim women can't integrate into British society because of the faith veil. I said, okay. I said, first of all, you know, I'm dead happy you're able to feel comfortable enough to express that like this is the reason why we have these meetings i said can you explain that she goes yeah by women covering their faces they're not able to integrate into society i said what why do you think that is she goes actually you know what i think it is i think it's that it's the color of the burqa i said really i said what do you mean she goes the color of the burqa is black and i just don't think that helps i said okay i said look with the utmost respect here you're wearing a black dress I said, if you're wearing a black dress, does that mean the colour of your dress means you can't integrate in society? She goes, no, 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 I don't think it's the colour. I think, like, it might just be that they're covering their face and we can't see, like, how they look. They're covering their mouth and their nose. I said, okay. I said, but you came into this coffee shop wearing a mask. She goes, oh, yeah. I said, does that mean you can't integrate in society? She goes, no. I said, okay, let me ask you a question. So I said, have you ever met a Muslim woman? She goes, no. I said, okay. I said, are you a feminist? She goes, yeah. I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but feminists believe that women can dress how they want to dress and express themselves how they want to express themselves. She goes, yeah. I said, so what is the issue if a Muslim woman decides to dress the way she wants to dress and cover her face? She goes, actually, you know what? There's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, they should be free to dress how they want to dress and express themselves how they want to express themselves. I said, so clearly, like, this just shows that you also support women covering their faces. She goes, yeah, I never thought of it from that perspective. And then we came to the conclusion that the reason why she had these misconceptions and reservations was because she'd actually never met a Muslim woman. Never. 
you know, so that's why she said actually it might be my own mm. ignorance of not reaching out to someone who I needed mm. to have a conversation with. So for me, that was such a positive interaction because it we actually ended mm. on really good terms. And I've seen her on TV and stuff now, and I feel that proud that we had a conversation, mm. we had a chat, and she was able to have a conversation with me and ask questions, which really concerned her. She was genuinely agitated yeah. when we had that conversation. I could see it on her face, like she was, she was upset, as if these women were being oppressed, as if Muslim women are forced to wear the headscarf and they're not. And that's another misconception I removed that a Muslim man can't force a Muslim woman to cover her face. Like mm-hmm. Islam doesn't teach that. Everyone's free to practice how they want to practice their thing. That's a really important mm-hmm. teaching of Islam. So when she met up with you, what was her goal? Like, do you know why she wanted to meet up with you? Or I mean, I'm glad that she did because obviously, like, being a journalist as well, she sh- she will shape so much of the narrative as to what's in the news, obviously. Um, so now that she's had that education piece from you, she can go and spread that information. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering why she wanted to meet up with you in the first place. I think she yeah. might have just been curious. Yeah. I think when I, in the email, I initially invited her for a tour of Britain's largest mosque. And I said, if that's inconvenient, okay. let me go for coffee. So she was like, okay, let's go for a coffee. So to even get that uptake was a big thing mm. for me, to be honest. Um, so do you have any career highlights or any proudest moments? I don't, you know. I think just to get home at the end of the day and put the kids to bed, and they're still alive yeah. and they've had the dinner. That's like a daily achievement. Um, I wouldn't say I've got any, like, like I, I, I don't do my job for, like, do you know what I mean? To get, like, a book of all these, the, all the records mm-hmm. that are broken or I've achieved this. Or, like, they don't mm-hmm. work like that. I think my daily aim is to make sure that I've offered my five yeah. daily prayers. Like, I've taken care of people. That's what my mm-hmm. faith teaches. Like, Islam says that you can't, fulfill God's rights until you fulfill the yeah. rights of his creation. Um, I guess, yeah, it's difficult so, for you because your career is your life. They work harmoniously. Yeah, like, I was talking to my wife yesterday about, like, I was replying to an email at, like, half ten at night. Mm-hmm. She goes, what are you doing? Like, you're right. Like, this is crazy. It's not normal behaviour. I said, like, look, I live and breathe mm-hmm. my job. Like, and I enjoy it. That's why I find it hard yeah. to switch off. Like, that's why some like, people that I know like, bro, you replied to my email like five o'clock in the morning. Like, what are you doing? I said, bro, like, just just what I do. Like, maybe it's unhealthy as well, but I really enjoy what I do, and like, it's full time. Like, it's not like you log off at seven o'clock, you go home, you don't respond to any emails, or the weekends off, whatever. Like, it's not like that. It's like yeah, just constant. Was... So it's important to find. I was going to ask you about your work-life balance, but I mean, I guess. You just answered it. I think, yeah, I don't know. Mm. There's balance. Is there? <laughs> yeah, there is. You know why? Because, like, I'll, like, you know, sometimes you see balance, like, left and right. Okay, you, which way do you swing more? I feel like mine's, like, up and down. Like, the base is always there, mm. which is my work. And then I balance everything else on top of that. Because you got to remember that as a faith leader, my, my yeah. life is for my faith. I'd wish to die serving mm. my community. Like people, people who work in 
in the world of work. Don't say that. I'm gonna mm. die working. That's yeah. why. <laughs> They're not normally saying that. All right, yeah. let's see what's next next year. Well, I'll apply for a new job. <clears throat> but as a faith leader, this is this is my full time. This is what I do. This is this is me. Well, you sound quite happy with that, and it sounds quite peaceful, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It's a massive blessing. Um, has there been a mentor that's particularly had an impact on your life, other than God? <laughs> um, I've, I think my team who I work with have been really supportive of me doing work on social media and trying to help people learn more about Islam. By your team? And life what do it. you mean? Like, I just mean the yeah, people who I, I work with in my office. Who are other young okay, British yeah. moms, um, who also are really supportive of my work, um, and sometimes it's hard to always know what's right. In the sense of showing life as a young British Muslim, because the world of social media is not made mm. to sell faith. Yeah, it's made more for materialism and other aspects of people's lives that they share, not necessarily mm. faith. So they really helped me in, um, I don't know how to put it, they really helped me in shaping kind of the content that I need to make in order for people to learn more about mm. Islam in a more palatable way. I guess if you're surrounded by people that, yeah, have the same intention for life and that's your hub that's your community that those those are your colleagues and you've all got the same intention I guess yeah and and also I think something else that someone said to me that working as a faith leader in the community is different to working in the world of work or corporate Mm. world because in some places you're all trying to outdo each other everyone wants to pay rise everyone wants to get to the next Mm. position and but in the line of work that I'm in, there's no like, there's no like, oh, I'm allowed to do you and become the greatest mm-hmm. in my own. Like, like, like you're all serving your own community, like on the and you're on the same wavelength, and that's really nice because then no one's going to yeah. undercut each other, and you know that genuinely, the help is genuine. Yeah. So that's a really important factor of work as well. You know, mm-hmm. work as a faith leader. Yeah. Do you think there are any challenges within the industry that? I don't want to call it an industry, but um, yeah. your line of work, line of work. Um, how do you com- combat them if there are? I think within every community, there are fractions within that community that require them to get on with each other. Like, for, now, for example, you've got the world of interfaith where different religions will come together mm-hmm. and talk about the similarities of their faith. But I think intra-faith is more important where it's communities looking at their own communities and tackling the challenges mm-hmm. between themselves. And I think that's a massive part of being a faith leader. Yeah, I think maybe, do you think it's important to realise the similarities as well between religions and yeah i think it's important to it is important to recognize similarities between faiths and that happens a lot that happens a lot 
But I think there's so much like othering, like, oh, well, this person's a Christian, this person's a Muslim, they can't, they're opposing sides. Well, actually, do you know, I, I don't, from all the interfaith work I've done, faith leaders are happy to come together and talk about the faith similarities of their are, faith. But I think people in general, yeah. from the outside, people in general, the outside, that's true. Be like, okay, well, they believe in different gods. So yeah. They're going to be yeah, that's against true. each other, which is not the case. Yeah, that, which is sad. It's true. I think, but then every faith has extremists, mm-hmm. or a handful of extremists who tarnish it for the majority. Yeah. But even day to day living, I think the reason why we think we're so different is because we don't have conversations about yeah. it. People are scared to bring their faith to work, and it's such a massive part of their life. But there should be a safe space for people to express their faith and their spirituality and what they believe in. Because I feel like for someone to perform in the best way possible, they've got to bring their whole mm-hmm. selves to work. And that's really important because once someone feels like they're valued and appreciated for mm-hmm. everything they are and everything they do, that's when they feel most comfortable and they, they're able to perform in the best way. So, yeah, there are differences between people, but once we step over that line of feeling awkward about asking questions, we'll realise mm-hmm. we have a lot more in common. Um. So you're known as the young imam. Can you explain what that means to you and your community? Yeah, yeah. so the young imam. So when did you um, come up with that? When did you... Then I was sat in the tea <laughs> shop and all. I was sat in the tea shop one day and my friend said to me about three and a half years ago, bro, you've mm. got to get on social media, man. I was like, listen, I, ain't got, I, said, I haven't got time for that. I said, I've got... Married kids, man, I'm trying to look after my health, trying to go to gym, trying to work. He goes, no, 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 listen, we need a young faith leader we can connect to. Like, mm. People are struggling out there, man. Like, we need someone to have a chat with. I was like, right, okay, what am I going to call it? And he was like, oh, why don't you just, like, call it Muslim Imam? Or... I, said, I said, Muslim Imam, that don't sound right. And then he goes to me, what, is he young Imam? I'm like, wow, well, you know what, yeah. that could actually work. So we searched it. You know, you're trying to think of a new name when you search it, see if the name's been taken or not. And it hadn't been taken. So he was like, bro, go and secure that name. And that was it. And I didn't know what I was doing in the, be- in the beginning. Because I'd never been on social media in my life. Like, I'd never been on Instagram, never been on this high five and all this stuff that we used to be on back in the day. I'd never been on social media. So this is the first time I'd done it. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just document- documenting my life day to day, like what I do and... And then slowly, slowly, it just shapes naturally to showing what life is like as a young British Muslim and giving people snippets of what Islam teaches and how to practice your faith day to day when you're working, when you're on holiday, when you're traveling, how you can still pray when you're in all these places. Um, And I think it was just giving people a guide of how to be a Muslim in mm-hmm. the 21st but century. But then also non-Muslims to... Right. So then, then I, and I didn't know how this would happen, but automatically then people were, were, were like logging in and following and saying, you know, we didn't know Muslims believed this or we didn't know that as a Muslim, you can pray while you're traveling or I didn't know as a Muslim, um, this is what mm-hmm. happens when you fast. Or a lot of our colleagues fast during Ramadan. We didn't know that it was actually no food yeah. at all. We thought we could drink. So it was really important for people to come who weren't of faith but wanted to learn about Islam and then 
I've had teachers messaging me saying, you know, we show your we show your clips in our mm. lessons at school when it's the Muslim like Islam term or in the, it's the Islam in the do curriculum. You do, do you do a lot of them? Um, you know how they do religious education. Yeah, do you go in and do yeah. talks a lot? Some places I have, but a lot of places are now using me. Schools are using me to talk about toxic oh. masculinity. Like I'm now going to a school in a few weeks to talk That's about what it means to be. I didn't a know that you were. <laughs> a yeah, I, I, no, I'm not toxic, but like, yeah, I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about toxic masculinity, yeah. So that's what that's what like, that's another aspect of working it that I'm oh, doing to go so and talk important. about. Um, Never anything like yeah. that when when I went to school. Like that was. But I think I think it was it was there, but it was just different term, like yeah. macho or. So what manner. kind of things do you do you say when you when you? But I just I just I just think it's about being a man doesn't mean. You can't talk about your emotions, mm. or being a man doesn't mean you can't help around the house with uh, house jobs, and um, it doesn't mean that you have to objectify mm-hmm. women. And I think there's a lot of things that my faith yeah, has I was taught me. Say, do you ever intertwine that with faith, or do well, you, to be honest, my faith you... has taught me of how to lead my life as a father, as a husband, as yeah. a Muslim. And I think if I didn't have those teachings, I yeah. might have been. Washed away with people who think that mm-hmm. you have to objectify women to be a real man, or you can't talk about how you feel, otherwise you'll be seen as weak and you can't cry. And so, my mm-hmm. so like, for example, the prophet peace upon him taught that. Well, the prophet peace upon him used to help out at home and do the house jobs, and that I saw my dad do that as well. So mm-hmm. it's about having positive role models and learning about your faith, what your faith teaches, and having examples around you who can literally show you or ex- or should be an example as to what the faith teaches so that's really mm. important as well so my faith has been a massive key player in shaping who I am today especially being a husband and a father mm. so what do you this is a big this is a big question um what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing Muslim people in the UK at the moment I think Muslim people are scared to say they're Muslim. Hmm. There are a lot of influencers out there who say that they who know that they're Muslim, they feel Muslim, but they don't outwardly express it because of the fear of backlash. Hmm. So I think people ascribing to Islam, outwardly ascribing to Islam, they're fearful of that. I think also people struggle to pray five times a day. They find that really, they find that really hard because we're just caught up in the world of work, and I know it's not easy, and it's it's a challenge to pray five times a day on time. Um, because we just some people are just not used to it. Some people some people weren't raised to pray five times a day, but as they got older, they're like actually faith means a lot more to me now than it did when I was younger, and I want to start practice. I want to start practicing my faith, but just don't know where to start. And to be honest, when mm-hmm. it comes to prayer, which is an essential part of Islam, I just say if you're struggling to pray five times a day just start with one prayer a day for a month and start mm-hmm. on that and then once you've got that one secured then maybe the next month start doing two a day and build it up because islam teaches that god likes those things that are done in small amounts but regularly yeah rather than it's about 
Yeah, well. rather than you praying like five times one day, you don't pray for three years and then boom, you're gonna pray five times a day again. So, and that's really important. Just take baby steps, and it's not embarrassing to say you're struggling with your faith. It's normal, like, mm. and I think it's about having that realization that I'm struggling. I need, I need a bit of help. How should mm-hmm. I? Where should I go for that help? And that's why my platform is there, to be honest. People to just yeah. tap in and without judgment as well. Yeah, there's no like I've got my own weaknesses and my own mistakes that I've made, and I'm the one to judge anyone. Like, yeah. unless you're perfect, can you judge anyone? And no one is on this earth. So that's really important. Just take baby steps, and if you're struggling with prayer, then just start by once a day and build it up. Like you can't go to the gym and expect to deadlift 120 kg if you've never done it before. And that's how to look at it. That's the reality. So just take baby steps in whatever you're trying to achieve. Mm. So how do you think people or companies themselves can be more inclusive of Muslim people and even other religions? Have a conversation with them. Yeah, just talk. Look at the calendars. Google when mm. Google important dates in for Muslims, important dates for Christians, mm. members of the members of the Hindu yeah. those people who follow Hinduism or um, uh, every kind of faith that's out there maybe do a survey at work like what faith do you ascribe to and then researching mm-hmm. about that and then saying actually okay Ramzan around the corner those, those people who are fasting how can we make your life easier at work or yeah. um, for the Jewish community you've got holy days in the year what does it mean to you how can we help that there's a lot of workplaces mm. now that are doing like Eid parties or mm. um, during Ramzan they'll have like an interfaith event where they'll call a rabbi, an imam and a priest and they'll talk about holy days for them in the year. Mm. Um, and like I mentioned before, I think it's important for people to feel like they're appreciated at work, not only for their work but for who they are. So yeah. they're able to perform to the best of their ability. Just education and having conversations. Yeah. It can feel really alienating when, especially, you know, when, when Eid rolls around, when Ramadan comes around and you're going into work and no one knows and you you kind of have to feel like you're doing it in secret or you're being asked too many questions. It's, I'm okay with being asked questions because I'm, I'm, I'm Muslim, but I don't know, sometimes it can be a bit, bit ignorant, like how don't you know this? So if companies were to like, champion and celebrate um religious festivals i think that would do a lot of good yeah i think it's that's what i mean it's about having conversations and, social as well. yeah, yeah 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 having conversations because they all revolve around drinking yeah well that's the other thing isn't it i think it's um once people educate themselves about how muslims live their life what's important to them then you can create those environments where muslims can be part of those places and mm-hmm. still be themselves and still mm. socialise with their colleagues, which is super important. Yeah. Because that's how you grow in life with networking and learning about other people's beliefs and what's important to them. So you can just put it back onto your colleagues and say, listen, what's important to you? How can we have mm. these conversations? I don't know, in your workplace or where places you worked before, have you ever had a survey gone around like what faith or what's important to you in your faith or, or holy days or whatever? No. And it could um, just be that. Yeah. What we're doing here now is we're rethinking the whole structure of like 
um, what well-being means, what our team bonding and social means. So we've sent round like a, I guess, yeah, we've sent round a survey about what people want to do and how people want to spend time together. Um, and some of those are, well, a lot of them are non-drinking activities um, and activities just other than going to the pub. Yeah. Because that actually... Yeah, you want to do an activity with your colleagues. Yeah, and everyone can be part of it. To be honest, when you get rid of this alcohol business, like people not drinking, I've got a lot of friends who've given up alcohol. Mm. And they said that and they've said that it's changed their life. Like they're saving loads of money, like they mm. know what they did last night when they wake up in the morning. They actually make memories rather than just pushing them on the toilet. Um Yeah. And I think it has a massive impact on people's lives. The consumption of alcohol in so many different ways, but yeah, yeah, I think it's important just send a survey around and be like, listen, what's important to you? Are you afraid? And and yeah. making an environment where people feel comfortable enough to share that. Yeah, there's one thing putting a survey out, really? but it's another thing making them feel like actually I can be honest mm-hmm. about this, mm-hmm. and I can say that you know what, I don't feel like drinking because my faith teaches me not to. So can we cater for mm-hmm. that? And that's what's really important. But you got to create that environment people to open up and share how they feel and maybe that's someone in the senior leadership team to come on and do a zoom or have a chat with their colleagues and be like listen this is important to us yeah we might not have recognized it before and it's important sometimes to acknowledge your weaknesses that doesn't make you less Mm. of a human in fact Mm. it gives you a bit of credibility and then work on that yeah yeah, and like you said, asking the people that it directly affects exactly. what do you want instead of deciding for exactly. them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So what are your professional and or like personal goals for 2023 then? I guess we're in February now, but... I know, we're already months down. Already... <laughs> um, that's a big question, though. I'll tell you the truth. Because of, there's no textbook of how to be a young faith leader Mm. working in the world of social media. I don't know actually what's next. Look, my inboxes or all my platforms have so many different messages of, can you come and host this show? Or can you come on this Mm. podcast? Or can you come to school to talk about this? Or um, can you do an interview about... um, what Islam means to you as a religion, or you've got businesses that say, can you come and talk to us about Ramadan, or can you come to the Eid party? Like, there's so many things that I don't know what is next. Yeah. And to be honest, it's easy for me to say, I want to do X, Y, and Z. But I don't know if that's best for me either. Yeah. Like, I actually just pray that. What... You could easily say yes to all these opportunities, right. and it might not make you feel... Yeah, so I actually okay. just pray that whatever opportunity come my way that is blessed and there's goodness mm-hmm. in it and if there's no benefit in it and it doesn't make me a better person then move it far away from me and I think living life like that puts you at ease because then you put that ownership on God like God mm-hmm. you do your thing do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. if the opportunity is good send it my way and if it's not good then move it far away and I think having that intention like prioritising God and your faith yeah. will really help what really helps me navigate my life because like if God says if you walk to God he'll run to you like you can serve your faith and have that relationship with God putting him first why wouldn't he look after you 
Mm. So I love that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if your friends were to give you an award, what would it be? <laughs> oh wow! Like. What would they give me? Um, Doesn't have to be serious. Probably. Um. <laughs> probably. Uh, a ball of energy award. Yeah. Um, like they know that if I come, we go out somewhere, there won't be a lack of energy. Yeah. It'll be a laugh. Mm. So maybe, um, have a laugh mm-hmm. award. No, we should. Think, we should actually think of a name actually for this award. Um, I don't actually know what the award would be called, but yeah. Ball of Energy Awards. <laughs> They're following me that, you know. Very catchy. <laughs> um, and then to round off, what would you like your legacy to be? You know, if I can make it through this world, yeah, and my kids grow up to be decent human beings, that, if I can raise, or me and Melissa can raise two children who just are good people, man, mm. that's, that's good enough for me, man. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what I raise good kids, inshallah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, I feel inspired, wow. I feel like new lease of life. Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything extra you want to say? No, I'm all right. I think that? it's been, I've said okay. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will leave all your social handles in the bio um, and all your links and all that fun stuff but yeah thank you so much for coming on that's the end of this episode if you've listened all the way through thank you we hope you enjoyed it and you found something useful that you can take with you in your personal or your career journey we appreciate any feedback or thoughts that you might have so if you want to get in touch please email us on untickthebox at milkandhoneypr.com or you can reach out via any of Milk and Honey's social media channels. See you next time on Untick the Box.